Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Following Know It On. Following Know It On. Following Know It On. Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 18. Episode 28. It's episode 50. Paul and Elliot, congratulations on, on hitting 50 episodes. We are talking about Warbreaker. You're doing Edge Dancer. Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Sixth of the Dusk, Arcanum Unbounded. Emperor's Soul today, continuing through Dawn Shard. Episode five. Four. Four. Episode four. four. Nice try. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> so my two words for this series of chapters were betrayal and honor. Are hopeful and cheesy. Oh my. Um, I have crazy and confusion. Trashy romance. Gem and light. Espionage and facade. Light and dark. Death denied. Realization and desperation. Love quadrangle. Selfless. Advancement. Subdue and strength. We follow the codes, not because they bring gain, but because we loathe the people we would otherwise become. It is what you will love, why you will hurt, when you will dream, and how you will die. I left my carriage that day and took up the stone, lifting it for the man. The most important words a man can say are, I will do better. Keep cutting at those thorns, strong one, and make a path for the light. The things you fight aren't completely natural. Oh child, the world is monstrous at times, and those there are those who would have you believe that you are terrible by association. I am. No, for ye see, it flows the other direction. You are not worse for your association with the world, but it is better for its association with you. When we taste that end, we will do so with our heads held high, eyes to the sun. I am not ashamed of what I have become. Other men may debase themselves to destroy me. Let them have their glory for I will retain mine. Sometimes a hypocrite is nothing more than a man who is in the process of changing. One can believe in a story without believing it happened. I owe you nothing, Colin. And his father's voice seemed to whisper a reply. Somebody has to start. Somebody has to step forward and do what is right because it is right. If nobody starts, then others cannot follow. Life before death. I failed so often, I've been knocked to the ground and trod upon. Strength before weakness. This would be death I lead my friends to. Journey before destination. Death and what is right. We have to go back, Kaladin said. Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week, as you just saw, is episode 100. We have reached 100 episodes of Following Know It On. We are here taking a quick break from Don Shard to talk about where we've been so far and how we've got here. And then the second part of this episode, we'll be talking about Secret Project 3 from Brandon Sanderson. This week, we have... Tim joining us again, Paul and Elliot as always, and Elliot and I's little brother Spencer. He's joining the podcast for the first time. Uh, Tim, how are you? I am doing fantastic today. Thank you very much. 
Spencer? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be a part of this. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about everything we got on board. And Elliot? Guys, 100 episodes. I... It, it doesn't even feel real. That is, that is insane. How many hours is that? that? That's a lot of hours that I've I've spent with you guys. That's a good thing, I think. I haven't averaged our our episodes. They've gotten longer as the episode count has gone up, but I think we're somewhere in the fifty minute range for an average average episode. So, uh, Paul, how are you? Great. I'm. I've got my my best dress on, ready to celebrate with the boys. Uh, and talk about the Stormlight Archive. It's really cool to talk to to Tim again as well, because last time I think we were in like the Way of Kings or Edge Dancer, maybe. Um, and now we get to talk on at least some more even footing. So it'll be fun. It will be fun. We do have quite. We we, we have a different episode today. We've got different things to talk about. Some old clips to react to, such as the clip that's happening right as I speak right now. And we have some unpopular Refreshing. opinions to to talk about. We're going to talk about what might get us, or my, what might get me canceled on uh, uh, Stormlight Twitter because I, I have a, a popular opinion that I'm afraid to talk about. First on our docket today, gentlemen, we are going to be reacting to some of our old clips. This one, this first one, is from episode one, and we will watch it now expectations really high you've you've sold this one pretty hard so my my expectations are are high um i'm hoping for i'm hoping for epic i'm hoping for a grand scale of story which i think i've already gotten a little taste of that in these first few chapters um yeah i'm hoping for adventure i'm hoping for i'm hoping for good characters characters i can root for characters i can get behind Hopefully they don't all disappoint me. We'll see. Also very big. Um, you've worked tirelessly to get me to, to read slash listen to this book. Um, so I'm making a big commitment here. Um, I'm really hoping for some good character development. That's usually my favorite favorite thing in stories. It's what makes me really intrigued. So I'm really hoping for some of that. Um, I have very high hopes. I'm hoping it's at least... or I'm hoping... It will be as good as Lord of the Rings in my mind. Uh, you've sold it that high. Though, I have so sold it that, that high. That's not something I would say lightly. <laughs> All right, Elliot. A hundred episodes ago, you were hoping for epic, and Paul, you were hoping for character development. Is what you said, Elliot. We'll start with you. What's your feedback? Feedback: a hundred episodes, three major books, and a bunch of novellas. As we air quotes call them uh delivered 100 percent. i i was not quite sure what to expect and so those those words were definitely some you know hopes yeah it didn't disappoint one bit we got epic paul did yeah. you get your character development i think so i i wanted to to talk about what elliot said in episode one a little bit because honestly it sounded a little pessimistic he's like i hope all these characters don't disappoint me and I was like, "Ooh, that's tough." But I, I think our characters have done have done a great job. Um, even though I've I've got myself in trouble for characters that I do and don't like, uh, but it, Brandon Sanderson did does an excellent job. 
with developing these characters and just seeing how they all interact. Um, like, I feel like I understand them completely as a person and, like, how they would react in different scenarios, um, which is really cool. So, <clears throat> and shout out to Zeph, the best character so far. Uh, Spencer, what you the first time you read this was a while ago, right? So, yeah, what is your what, what do you think Brandon Sanderson delivers on the most? I think Brandon Sanderson delivers on addressing the problems. So he sets up all these great characters and gives them a flaw, a very vital flaw. And it, he shows their journey through it. And I've never seen another author that does it that well. And I don't know. I just think it's amazing work. What about you, Tim? Oh, I definitely agree. My, one of my favorite things was when I started uh, in college thinking about these books that I'd read since the beginning of high school uh, and started thinking about them more and realizing that I can, I can relate to these characters in some small way. You know, what they're going through is an ex a more extreme version than what I'm going through, but I can see myself in that. Uh, and then obviously the world building is just incredible. Yeah, I agree. World building and then delivering on his his promise uh, at the beginning. He'll set up, he'll use an entire book to set up a, a delivery promise. And I don't know if I've ever seen better payoff. I mean, everybody says that about Brandon Sanderson, but it's, it's for a reason. All right, before our next clip, I want to talk about some stormlight unpopular opinions when were you guys most bored during the series during these three books this novella that we have read so far not counting dawn shard because uh, we're kind of halfway through it so when when were you guys most bored we'll start with paul Ooh, okay <sighs> i feel like trevor's using me as a gateway into hurting all of our viewers and listeners' feelings. Uh, because I think I've done this before, my fair share of times. Sorry, Bridge 4. Um, I think what what I remember as kind of boring me the most throughout our reading was actually not too far from the beginning, and it was our, I think, early Shalon chapters. Um, funny enough, I've reread some of them lately, and I can see a lot more now. But I think at the time, I wasn't super engaged in that. I learned a lot from them. I got to see a lot of things, but it didn't really make sense at the time, uh, a good bit of it. And so I was like, why are we talking about strawberry jam and boys? I don't like this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that that that's probably what sticks out to me as a more boring part of our story. Uh, Spencer. So... I also thought Shalon was very boring, but at a different part. In Words of Radiance, her journey to from the shipwreck to the Shattered Plains just feels like it takes forever. It's just like, all right, I get it. This is important. We're getting a lot of information here, but oh, just get there already. I think... You, go ahead, Elliot. You didn't like Tin? Didn't like that little little segment. Tin was definitely the most exciting part, but 
yeah, it was just like, uh, I felt like uh, it could have moved a lot quicker. I'm with you. I totally forgot about Tin. Entirely forgot that was a person that we ever read. And I did not like Tin. I didn't like Tin. So that was the shard blade moment, man. That yeah. was when that- the holy cow, what the heck, Shalon has a what moment. Tin kind of so- gets absorbed into Vale. It's kind of why you forget about her. And that's why she's in the story, is because it teaches Vale everything she know- needs to know about being a spy, and then she kills her. What about you, Tim? Uh, well, for me, I because of the rate at which I, I usually read, it, it really takes quite something for, for a section of a book, especially this one, uh, something written by Brandon Sanderson, for me to really feel bored. And so I think up until this point, uh, through Oathbringer, I never truly felt bored, but going back on on rereads, uh, there are there is one section that uh, I just just want the story to move on, and and that's the section Sh- Shadesmar in Oathbringer when they're they're traveling through Shadesmar from one place to the next, and they do some interesting things, but uh, I just want I just want to move on to the next part to that final battle. There does seem to be a, a pattern in all of our choices here where there's a there's a promised action or at least a promised character scene that you see is coming, you know, Shalon finally getting to talk to Kaladin and Adolin or the the battle at Thalen City, which you at the very beginning of Shadesmar, you're literally promised Dalinar is in trouble and we need to get to him, and then it takes another two hundred pages to get there. But so there is the kind of a, a trade-off, but once you get to the payoff, then you know everybody's all jaw dropped and all that. What about you, Elliot? I think trying to think through when I was bored. I actually really like some of the slow parts of the of the series. I love the lore behind it all. I love the the setting and the history. And so, if a section is slow, but it's still feeding me, like answers to those questions. I actually really enjoy that. I don't mind taking, you know, things a little slow if I'm learning. So like a lot of those Shalon sections, while they weren't, they weren't exciting. I w- I still felt like I was getting, you know, fed little nuggets of information. So it kept me entertained, busy. The, the section I can think of though, where I didn't feel like I was getting that maybe as much was like part two of Oathbringer ish. There's kind of some of that early excitement we get when we first see Eurythiru, but then things kind of slow down a little bit and it kind of gets into a bunch of politics. It's kind of, can Dalinar establish his leadership? Can he get people to follow him? Can, you know, is this group going to play nice with that group? Is, you know, Adolin bored? Is Shallan bored? You know, I'm getting a little bored. I think that was probably the only section I can think of. It's fair. Yeah, I think I, I can understand that because it, it feels like while well, they have to work together, it's just how, uh, right. you know, what story reason is is going to come up that they will work together. That that section for me wasn't as bad, especially on rereads, because A, you get to learn about Bondsmith powers, which is kind of cool. And then B, you get 
uh, bridge four point of view, and I'm a sucker for bridge four point of view. So I I enjoy Oathbringer Part Two just for that reason. What about you? Oh, my mine is also the Shallan trip to the Shattered Plains. Uh, I forgot to mention that, but yes, I I agree with Spencer. Uh, in that Shallan's trip to the Shattered Plains just feels just drags a little bit. Tin isn't interesting enough to me to carry this those scenes and you're kind of happy to see her go and get to the shattered planes you've only spent like a book in a part or something now like waiting for our main characters or two primary characters to meet and so then you know it's probably going to happen and it's it, it it does make it really difficult so that's very true speaking of bridge four in Part two, we have another clip to to watch. So here is this one. Just go for it. What's what's your spelling? N U M U H U. This is where I get M U L A K A M A K. I wait. Is that an I? M A K. <laughs> I A I N A L U N A M O R. Okay, I, I probably lost track there. No, not think... not that bad. You're probably you probably got seventy five percent of the letters. You're probably eighty percent right. Yeah. So here's how you yeah. with an M O R. It does. It just like cuts off. Okay, because that was my big ambitious. I bet it just cuts off at the R. You know. I did better than I remembered. Yeah, I can't. I wow. still can't believe you did that well. Yeah, that that's yeah. pretty good. I think if I knew that asterisks were a thing, like we're just a thing, I think I would have had better odds too. Because I had no no clue that there was anything like that. If there was ever a deep end of spelling names on Roshar, that was certainly it. That was episode three, I believe. That's that's <laughs> chapter seven of of the Way of Kings. And you, you you nailed it. You got eighty eight percent. You're you're doing great. I remember reading that word and knowing the spell check was like as soon as I read the word as I was reading, I stopped and laughed because I'm like, Paul is gonna fail that epically, and I'm gonna enjoy every second of it. And then you go and knock it out of the park with like eighty percent of the letters. Like I'm still impressed, just as impressed as I was that day. Yeah, that's that's one of those words that for me, I I just kind of fuzzed over and went, moved on. It's like, oh, I know who you're talking about. But when I heard Paul do that, I I learned that word that day, and I still remember it, and it's amazing. I think there are plenty of people who watch that video and learn how to spell Rock's name just by that. Like, it's a long word, but it is spelled how it sounds with with the with the exception of the apostrophes. So I, it is a very informative video. Thanks for doing that, Paul. That was the first time I ever like listened to an audiobook on less than like one time speed. I think I had it on the lowest. I think 0.5 times speed is the lowest you can go. And I sat there for like a solid 10 minutes, just like listening and listening and being like, okay, I think this is that letter. You're right. It, it is. It, it sounds out well, like it's not super crazy. Um, there's no like big tricks, 
Um, but it was just super big and long, and if you just hear it offhanded, um, it's really bad. I, I'm curious because it's been ingrained into my brain ever since, ever since that that moment where I had to spell it, and I knew I was going to spell it as soon as I heard it. Um, do y'all like? Are y'all able to say it well? I can, because of that video, I, I can. I, I figured y'all could, but that's that's my flex. If if I meet someone and they're like, oh yeah, I've read this from my archive, or like I'm reading right now, and they're like, oh yeah, you know rock, like Numahuku Makiaki Aina Lunamore, like. It's just kind of fun to throw out, and they're like, <laughs> "I speak corn eater, no big deal." Yeah, no big deal. Basic lowlander. You know that sixth grade phase where you try to learn Elvish, where everybody try, no. like all the Lord of the Rings fans try to learn Elvish. You you know horn eater. True. All right, I'll start with Spencer on this next question. Oh. Who is your least favorite recurring character? Not like just a side character, but a, a fairly main character, a like A B C tier character. And you can you can define of why they are your least favorite. Of you think they're poorly written, or you don't like them as a person, as a character, or whatever. You can you can expound upon it for the reason why you picked it. But who is your least favorite character to to meet on the page? I think I'm going to get a fair amount of hate for this one, but I think you will too. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I, I don't like Yasna, but, 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 but hold on. The reason why is I feel like she doesn't have enough content yet to be a complete character. We just, I feel like we just don't know enough about her for her story to make sense. And because of that, it feels very jarring to me going like along her arc. And I feel like if we get more of her, like maybe her childhood and her upbringing, I feel like she will turn into an amazing character. I I want to say I I did put Yasna as mine, but I, I see a lot of what you mean. And like in my head right now, we're going into Rhythm of War here fairly soon. Haven't read it yet, but if I didn't know who Rhythm of War was about and I were to make a guess, I would honestly have probably guessed like Yasna or someone because I think she needs a lot more point of view stuff. She she does a lot of cool things and has done a lot of stuff, but yeah, but I feel like it's a lot being done for how little we really know. Yeah, you get a couple dark hints at her past and like really dark hints. Uh and you just tease with like these little bits, like this trauma that's so buried in her. And I just feel like she needs that to be explained to see why she is who she is. I think part of what goes into her not being super likable on the page right now is she's so aloof at this at this point, especially to Shalon. And she, that's the majority of the interactions you get is from a Shalon point of view. And Yasna's deliberately holding back, you know, emotion or whatever to Shalon. And Shalon kind of resents her for that. And then the reader kind of resents her for that. Um, sometimes it reflects that way. So I could, I could understand why you'd, why you'd say that. And more than just with Shalon, Yasna is fairly hard hearted in general. Like her, 
her solution to the the problem they were facing one point was, oh yeah, all those Herald people, yeah, we need to kill them. Let's hunt them all down and, and kill them. Like that's that that's kind of not kind of it that's rather cold hearted of her. So there's a lot of coolness about Yasna, but I can see where you would where you'd get there. I will say I'm very glad that you have this opinion, Spencer, because it takes a little bit of the stress off of me and just everything I've said. Um, You're having Taft in my like bottom ten characters in all I, Stormlight was. <laughs> I can't forgive you for that. Yeah, one. that's fair. That's fair. I understand. I understand. But I'm just saying, some people are going to be upset with what you've said, and that helps me. So, thank you. I think I just heard Paul volunteering to go next. <laughs> go ahead. This this one isn't too bad. Oh, also, so um, the answer that I chose. I mean, she's a no recurring character, but I mean, I feel like she's the least of of these that we have. I I said Navani as our our my least favorite recurring character. Um, at one point, Yasna crossed my mind, but I was like, you know, Yasna's done a lot of really cool stuff, like a lot of really cool stuff. I don't know if I could think of something really cool Navani's done. I'll be honest. I, I don't I'm never excited to whenever a Navani perspective comes up, I'm like, alright, I guess I'll just wait until the next part that's gonna be more exciting. Um so I would I would agree with you. Alright, sorry, did I are you done? Uh you can go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably hop I, back in. Yeah. I would agree with you, except I think there is one chapter in Oathbringer that carries her from like D tier character to B tier character. And it's the it's the chapter when Dalinar has recently remembered what he did at the rift and she steps forward and carries the uh carries the coalition and she doesn't know what Dalinar is going through and she she expresses some internal frustration at Dalinar just, you know, drinking himself to oblivion out of nowhere. And but she decides to support him and love him anyway even though she doesn't have the full picture of what's going on, she decides to step up right in that, in that section. And then we'll, we'll figure this out later once he can talk about it. But right now, right here, I'm going to do what is required. That, that takes her like up a couple notches for me, but otherwise I would agree with you. I'll say that's neat. I, I, I honestly didn't care that much. That, that's probably the coolest moment she has. Um, but she's always talking about Fabrioles or whatever. And I, no, I, I haven't been invested. Haven't haven't really cared. I'll I'll be honest. So yeah, I haven't been invested. Haha, <laughs> investiture. Um, so yeah, I I think Navani is. I think it's kind of a standout, most boring of our notable characters to the point that I didn't even know she would count as a notable character. She like, I don't know if this was a cop out answer for me. So okay, cool. Tim, you want to go next? Yeah. So for me, it's it's a little bit different. Of the notable characters, my least favorite are Shalon's personalities. Uh, now, like when they first show up, uh, it, it's very intriguing trying to figure out what this means. But uh, as this goes on, it just personally, I feel like I've learned what I what I can from the situation. And it's just frustrating that they're still there. And you, I'm just wondering, you know, why? Why can't they just go away? 
Why can't we move past this? And I'm sure Brandon would say, well, that's that's the point. But uh, it's still frustrating for me. I think that's a really good answer. I am also frustrated, especially with brightness, radiance. Mm. Struggle. Anyways. I actually really liked Shallan's personalities because I feel like it was very interesting and insightful take on like borderline personality disorder and like how Shallan has to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that side of it. And for me, I've found it insightful for, okay, sometimes when I'm dealing with issues, I just forget about what I, about what the problem is and I go do something else. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I just, as I said earlier, it, it just keeps on going. Elliot, do you want to go next? Your kind of ties in here. I can tie in here. My least favorite character in kind. I took it kind of in the more direction of most annoying character, and that the one I did go with was was Shalon. Not so much for the the personalities, although that kind of ties into it. I just kind of have Shalon is the character in the story where I have the most like grit my teeth moments. Like, <sighs> really? Come on, you're, you're going to make that decision? Like, th- those are the kind of things that I that I do with with Shalon. And I I agree with the the comment I think Timmy you just made of like that's the point, right? Is that Shalon is dealing with things that normal people don't have to deal with. Like that's the point is she's dealing with stuff that nobody else deals with. And how does she handle it? How does she get through it? How does she see that she is still has worth as a person? And I think because of that, it makes Shalon have these really awesome moments. Like some of my favorite moments in the whole series so far pivot around Shalon. I'm thinking specifically of like when, when Hoyd has his kind of moment where he tells Shalon, no, you, you are worth it. You're not a monster. Like that is so powerful. But those moments with Shalon are still like, ah, come on, Shalon. You haven't learned your lesson yet. Like. I, I do understand that, that, that moment feels so pivotal. And then you don't really readdress her personalities until part five. And then they're still there, healthy and well, and just as much of part of her as ever. So, I can agree on the on the frustrating aspect. Uh, but Pepper, I have a question. Yeah. Do you um, did you ask Elliot there because to to go because you're really scared to share yours and and you're trying to avoid it right now or or kind of yes. dreading it? Yes, I <laughs> am. <about> this one. <laughs> All right, so. This one, Adolin. I'll just get it out there in the open, Adolin. And, All right, and, see you later. <laughs> okay, so let me, let me, man. Take your time. Take your time. Yeah, I want to hear this. This might. Hear this. this might take me. This might take me several tries to get through. So, Adolin, how do I? How do I put this? Don't, don't worry, Trevor. This is now a therapy session for you. Okay. <laughs> take your time. We are take here your for time. You. Express your feelings, and we want to help you. So Adolin is too 
perfect in my book. He's too he's too nice. He doesn't have enough going on in his head in my in my opinion. He's he's the sunshine and rainbows and I that is totally fine like as a person. I there are people like that who are just happy and super fun to be around and can pick you up on a rainy day. Like th- those people are some of the best people to hang out with. As a character, I feel like he is boring to read on the page because he has nowhere to go. And of course there's exceptions to this. He does have character development of his own. He has things that he struggles with. I'm talking just as a whole, especially compared with our other dramatic characters. He, he doesn't he doesn't move that much and he's a little bit a little bit boring to me. I I would argue he's dependable. And so in this story of all these characters with all these different flaws and struggling with these really heavy things uh and uh and and all of that he he's a dependable character that when you go back to kind of kind of like Lopin when you go back to him it you you know what you're getting uh, until he stabs you in a back alley <laughs> the hallway yeah. back hallway okay. sorry good point I, I was going to say, like, I we had a comment. I don't remember how long ago this was. Maybe the beginning of Oathbringer, somewhere in there. Um, and I was like, I think Adolin is our one, like, normal or, like, sane person left. Everyone is kind of, we're watching everyone just kind of go crazy over time. And he's just kind of still normal. But I, I can see what you mean, Trevor. I disagree, but I see what you mean. I'm, you know. I'm happy you have your opinions because I have my bad ones too. So I just absolutely love Adolin because he he supports Kaladin and Shallan and Renarin and Dalinar in the perfect way for each of them. It's different for each of them. He treats them each well and how they need, but different. And for him to see how to do that is awesome for me. I I completely agree with you. My only my only problem with that is he starts there. He starts by treating everybody well. Maybe he's maybe there's character development off screen that we've haven't haven't seen. But and I guess maybe this ties back to what you were complaining about, Yasna Spencer, is we don't have enough page time for him to really get that arc that I want in a character. So it could be that my biggest complaint is. I don't see enough of him so that I don't, I'm not connected to him and I don't feel that, that arc. I honestly think if there was like a screen adaptation of the story, this would change. Like just the discussion would change immensely because most of his cool moments are kind of like actions he's done that aren't necessarily like super profound. Like maybe Dalinar's are like where he steps forward to like unite people or things like that. But it's kind of like a, like the duels and stuff like that are super cool. Um, and my favorite, I actually think my favorite Shallan moment is an, actually an Adolin moment, um, which is like him, like whenever he talks to her and she's like, oh, I don't want you to see Shallan. Like, I want to make an image kind of right for you. I'm very loosely paraphrasing this. Um, and he's like, no, like, I don't care if like the vase is broken or whatever he says. Like, right. I just want 
the vase and, and like I went to you and stuff. And that was my respect for Adolin went up so much from that scene. Um, and yeah, I think he's great. And I would say that he changes quickly, but I kind of going back to what you said, Trevor, he, he starts out as very, his own person and like, very dismissive of Dalinar, Kaladin, and very briefly Shallan. And I feel like he, I'll give it to you that he he gets better very quickly and gets to be perfect very quickly. But I think there is still some good growth there for him. All right. Our next clip, let's have a watch. Congratulations. Uh, Elliot, how are you feeling? Fantastic. 50. Well well done, gentlemen. I, I agree. It seems like not that long ago we were, the three of us, just kind of, well, what if we did a podcast? And here we are 50 episodes into it. So, wow. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about Tom Bombadil. Yes. yes. For our practice episode. <laughs> uh, we yeah, never we aired that. Practice episode. That's true. That's, that's too little, you know. Fun fact of the day for following Node on podcast. We did a little practice episode to make sure our bells and whistles and microphones worked. So we talked about Tom Bombadil uh, for like twenty five minutes or so. So it was like an hour. And t- yeah, that. It was like an hour. We talked. It was not an hour. It was. It was pretty short. Was it? It was pretty short. I thought. I thought yeah, it, was it was pretty long. Short. It was probably thirty, thirty to thirty five minutes. Oh, you know what it is actually. Nobody cares, but you know what it is, is I hit the record button and then we were testing mics and stuff. And so like the, the audio mm-hmm. file is like an hour and 20 minutes, but we only talked for like half. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I we talked for probably like half an hour. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I agree with you. And then we were like, man, are we going to be able to talk long enough in our episodes? <laughs> and boy, is that aged well. <laughs> I, I hope y'all are taking notes out there. That'll be a trivia question for our hundredth episode. You yeah. Know, sometime yeah. True. Five years down the line. Okay, so the trivia question for today, what was the preview topic before we did episode one of the podcast? Yes, Tim. Tom Bombadil. Correct. Tom Tom Bombadil's correct. Everybody gets a point, I'm assuming. The only reason that clip is in there is because, Elliot, you said episode 100. So here it is. Here we are five years later. (laughs) <laughs> it felt so far away and and here we are we made it five five years went by in a flash that's pretty crazy i think we should reopen the discussion sometime because while we've been doing this podcast i've been doing a great deal of tolkien research um and i, I have more thought way more thoughts than i did at that time but i think that was a really fun way for us to kick things off and kind of that was my first time meeting elliot as well and uh it, it was kind of a neat way to to bond over Lord of the Rings stuff. Nothing but nothing like it. All right. What part of Roshar would you like to see the most? Quick quick two senses, I'll not spend too much time on this. We'll go Spencer first. I wanna see more of the Pure Lake, cause I don't know. I just feel like there's something fishy going on there. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the bad pun. 
Who wants to go next? I'll jump in. I also would love to see more of the pure lake. It just sounds sounds peaceful, like a, a short story he could write that would just be along the lines of the chapter that is I am a stick, but just fun. All right, Paul, your favorite character in the entirety of the Stormland Archive, Ishik, the, yes. the fisherman of the pure lake. Do you remember him? First interlude. Of course I remember him. He's yes. my favorite character from the, all of the Stormlight Archive. Yeah. Do you remember the actual ramifications of that interlude? You may not have a, witnessed it at the time, but if you can think about what was actually happening in that interlude. Wasn't he sent to find Hoyd? That was like his like task or something? Yes. So he, there's three strangers that show up at his house and say, hey, have you seen this guy? And he's like, uh, nope, but I can go walk around the Pure Lake and figure out if I see him. And they're like, okay, sure. And that's what he does, then he doesn't see him. What did we recently learn about still bodies of water in the Cosmere? They're wet. Yes, we did learn that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Elliot, we, we... your light bulb went off. Come on, get give it to me. Light, light bulb is on. Light bulb is on over here. The, the still bodies of water tied to like pooling investiture and like collections of magical power, sometimes tied with perhaps um, perpendicularities, right? Or, or maybe related. Right. Yeah, they tend to be perpendicularities. Now, I'm not going to pretend that the entirety of the Pure Lake is a big perpendicularity, but the... The Pure Lake does have something odd going on with the the fish and the investiture there. So I I too would like to visit the Pure Lake, but that's not what I had written. But go ahead, Spencer. I have a prediction. I think the Pure Lake is where it cultivations investiture pools. Okay. It is it's a it's a fair ways from the Horn Eater Peaks, but it's it's plausible. Yeah. We we had talked about that a little bit of of kind of guessing that maybe cultivations was in the Horn Eater Peaks or the springs, whatever that Rock talks about. Um, I don't remember where it says it, but it's at some point it's like yeah, it's kind of connected to the Horn Eater Peaks cultivation is. So um, I guess that, there is a perpendicularity cool. there. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I I'm glad you said the Pure Lake. Pure Lake was like a very close second. On mine, I'm I'm happy to kind of hump into mine. Yep. Um, I feel like the Pure Lake is the one place we've seen that, like, honestly, sounds like a place I'd just love to to like go hang out, like take a vacation to, you know, enjoy it. It sounds really pretty, like sunny, cool water. Um, the impression I get, which I don't know if this is true, but the impression I get is that it's like a consistent like two and a half feet deep. Yes. All like the entire way. Yeah, like you could it's you could even, run through the whole thing. It's even more shallow than that. It's like below your knee. Okay. Okay, okay. Um I think that's really cool. Like that sounds really pretty and just fun to hang out and, you know, splash around in the water. That'd be so fun. Um but what I actually said as my where I'd want to go to the most is Shinovar. Um I had mixed feelings about saying Shinovar because it seems the most like Earth-like, like was, it's just normal. I was about to say you've got the entirety of Roshar, and you're like, yeah, let's go to the place with dirt and most Earth-like. <laughs> but okay, honestly, a lot of Roshar in a nice way sounds ugly. Like the Shattered Plains does not sound pretty. It's just like coarse ground, 
and stuff and rock buds is like the scenery which they don't sound super appealing i'll be honest um but like at least looking at the map shinovar is super green and pretty and it's next to the mountains i would love to go hike in the misted mountains you know that'd be super pretty that is um, i will give you that i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily necessarily say ugly i would say striking and different um harsh that's fair. yeah and i feel like most of Roshar is trying to kill you <laughs> yeah that's fair like, yeah it's not like there's a huge tsunami every nine day oh never mind <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so at least, like you know, I'd be safe from high storms. It'd be a nice place to to visit. So, um, I well, also a big part of my reasoning was kind of like the Shin way of life. I think is super fascinating. I think we don't know that much about it still, but like warriors are valued as like the the lowliest of them, and I just I, like just the concepts and stuff that they have. I think are super cool, um, and and fascinating. And so, I think it'd be really cool to to check it out. Also, they shouldn't know way too much. They they yeah. do know quite a bit. That's true. I'm really curious to see how they know so much. The Horn Eater Peaks is what I put because I would love to ski into a hot spring, and that just sounds super fun to me. And if you could if you could channel one of those cultivation pools into like a, a normal temperature hot tub and ski down the Horn Eater Peaks, go, whoosh, you know, like that's. And then, and then it turns out to be perpendicularity, and whoop, you're on Patchy. Shades, Mar. Oops. <laughs> Elliot, last one. I went the opposite of Paul. I picked the least familiar landscape I could think of and actually went with Shades, Mar. Mostly just because even after spending like a couple hundred pages with our characters there, I still can't quite fill out my mental picture of what Shadesmar looks like. Like there's the, the sea of beads, the dark skies, the wrong shadows, like all, all of these elements that we kind of get, but it just still doesn't quite fit in my mind. Like I need to see this place. I need to, to, to understand what this is. I feel like I need to see it. So that's what I'd want to see. I think Elliot just really wants to go find this painting still. Yes. He's yes. still just after this one painting. I will go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. He wants to hang it up on his wall. You're going to need a, a couple heightenings to appreciate it, though. Yeah. I got those. We're good. Oh, okay. All right. Last clip so we can watch this one. Maybe some predictions, some hopes of Oathbringer. Well, well, you know I love predictions, and always they're always extremely accurate, so... Uh, I'm here for that. So I, I'm really, really excited to get into Oathbringer. I feel like... Whenever you told me about this series years ago, I like this is I wanted to get to this point, but I didn't know how I was going to get here, and so you know it just, it only took a year, so uh, pretty good. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited and already getting started. I, I'm I'm really into it and, and excited to talk to you guys about it. I have I have no groundbreaking predictions right now, uh, so okay, Elliot. I, I agree with you, Paul. I feel like we're not necessarily veterans at this point, but we're 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 fully established, I feel like, as readers and, and fans in the in the Stormlight Archive world. And so this is this is fun to really dive into the the meat of it now. We've we've got some history, we've got some knowledge, we we know enough to be dangerous, so I'm excited to dive into the the world even further 
in Oathbringer. All right, Elliot, my well-established veteran, could you could you please explain to me what is happening in Dawn Shard so far and all the Cosmere implications? Oh, well, clearly we're headed towards a, another uh, undiscovered perpendicularity that's going to unlock uh, travel to other planets, which will allow our Rosharns to communicate and learn and uh, figure out a way to entrap Odium. Yep, done. And my my novice Cosmere fans, Spencer and Tim, any any predictions on that? I I see no problem with that prediction. I, I think it's one hundred percent accurate. I, I'm curious who Clearly. this Odium fellow is. Read and find out. Oh, he's nice. Yeah, I know. sounds odious. Nice guy. Good guy, Odium. I have I have two comments on this clip. One, look at those gentlemen rocking those quarantine beards. I mean, just check that out. Go 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 back in this video and rewatch <laughs> that again, and and look at the, the the quarantine beards. Second, I am incredibly impressed with myself <laughs> managing to talk with a mostly straight face. Through the shenanigans happening on my uh, my co-host's screen, I'll just leave it at that. I was about to say I have no idea what we've been talking about and what this prediction was because I was still <laughs> laughing at my own joke that I made forty six or my math for forty four episodes ago. I had no idea what Elliot said. Still, so I was actually going to ask what what was this prediction. He doesn't. He doesn't have a prediction. He was just saying how well established he was in the fandom at this point. This is okay, having okay. read *The Way of Kings*, *Edge Dancer*, uh, *Words of Radiance*, and *Warbreaker*, and he is a he is a veteran apparently. That's true. That's true. He is. Um, but yes, I I have applauded Elliot. Uh, he's done a great job of. M- fun fact: most of the times when I do stupid stuff on on, on screen. Like with a ridiculous like cup or this, I was you know having some whipped cream. Um, I usually don't tell them about it. I just do it, and I really hope that they like break break stride while they're talking. And Elliot really held it together on that one. I'm impressed. I think I think we had to cut shortly after that because Elliot did break, and we, uh, uh-huh. we cut it. All right, to uh, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to, to jump in there and say that uh, it's been a, been a pleasure listening to, these, to, the, to this podcast. And so many of those early predictions that you guys made, some of them were crazy, and some of them were crazy and yet so close or directly on point. It's just been incredible. Oh, yeah, the number that. of times you guys did like, oh, this crazy thing might happen, and it's like, Holy cow! You are absolutely right. Some of the some of the top comments we've gotten are comments on my poker face as those as those predictions are happening and how I can keep a straight face there. And that's what? true. I've been really impressed with with Trevor um, on that. Now, like knowing the other side of things, now um, whenever I like hear like look back and see things that we said and knowing what actually happened and seeing Trevor just. Like try not to. You can sometimes tell he's trying not to smile or do anything. Right. Sometimes he just doesn't, and and it's it's really impressive. 
Um, I think the one I'm most proud of was, I don't remember how early it was, so maybe I shouldn't be that proud of it. But I remember predicting that Kaladin was going to get strung up and live and stuff. We were going to do it. And I remember that was the one that I remember just being spot on. Other than that, we're just waiting just on the confirmation. Out of the blue, like you had no indication that that was like even a form of like punishment or all. You're just like, yeah, I think they're going to time out and storm. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I knew they would do something that was like, oh, he should die of these horrible natural causes or something like that. But they weren't going to execute him, but they were going to, quote, execute him, you know? Right. Because, like, he was going to, oh, he's supposed to die, but he's storm-blessed, whatever. Shenanigans. Um, the other, we're, wait- we're waiting on some of the others, like, Shallan is Light Song. We're still just waiting on the confirmation, right? It's probably Stormlight 5. Um, it's coming. But, yeah. yeah, but yeah most, most of the predictions, there's been some spot-on ones and some crazy ones, so. My... My all-time favorite was at the beginning of Words of Radiance, where Paul, you and I just jokingly were like, "Or the ship could sink." You know, next chapter that 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 might happen. And then what happens? Oh, the ship sinks. The very next chapter. You had another good one, yep. which I remember a couple, probably like twenty chapters later or so, where you nailed Amaram's shard blade, and you got it like dead on that it was uh, Shalon's brother Helleran. Oh, like yeah. the the first mention we had of Helleran, you're like, well, if you go back to this scene from Kaladin, it says he's Vaden, and that means that Shallan's brother. And I'm just sitting there like, excuse me, what? Actually, the way I would like to ask for anyone watching this, did anyone actually pick up on this on their first read? Because I was so impressed whenever that happened. Whenever Elliot pointed that out, and I was like, you know, like looking at it, I think you're right, but I don't know how we got here. Like, no idea how we connected these dots. That was that may have been my most, the most impressed I've been with Elliot's like connecting things because it would it, it seemed like he didn't skip a beat. He just like read that and was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, for some reason it, it stuck in my mind when I read that very for the first time when Kaladin takes down the shard bear that the shard bear was Vaden for some reason that stuck in my head and so then as soon as I saw it I was like oh wait I know someone who's Vaden and had a shard blade ding I guess it's not super far-fetched if you keep in mind that shard blades are supposed to be rare even though everybody we know has a shard blade which we've commented on before that you know not everybody has a shard blade but apparently Shallan and Everybody else has a shard blade too. So, all right. To wrap up this part one, what would your guys's favorite culture uh, on Roshar be to to live in, to relate to, to learn about? Uh, however, you want to interpret it. I will go first. I want to know more about the Shin, and simply because they know a lot of cool stuff that I want to know. Um, specifically, you know, like cool martial arts and uh, honor blades and some stuff that was happening on the prologue banquet night. Um, So there's... Yeah. Go ahead. I'll hop next because I I agree with you. (laughs) So much of the place I want to visit. And and I talked about this briefly earlier, that I think the, like, Shin way of life is really fascinating. I don't know that much about it. And like Spencer said, also, like, they just know too much. Like, they, they know way too much, and I don't know why or how, but 
I would like to know. Um, and I think they have a very different, like, cultural approach and kind of hierarchical, however you say that, different, like, hierarchy approach that I think is really fascinating, and, and I would love to learn more about it. Uh, what about you, Spencer? So I went a little different route, and I just want to know more about the, like, specific culture of the singers. Because in Oathbringer, you're given a little glimpse of this used to be a like an established people, and I just I just want to know how their society worked, like what their ranking, I guess, hierarchy was, and just how they worked. I guess there's several different tiers to that, which there's plenty of stuff to learn still so i th and i think we will he says with a knowing smile i don't remember rhythm of war man so i don't know uh-huh mm -hmm, sure. it's hard to yeah, say that just without like know. implying more what about you tim yeah so i took a, a different route uh i i, I relate to the azish in a small way as I was thinking about it, uh, about, about this question, I realized that I I like to do things the the way they should be done, or the way I think they should be done, and that's something that the Azish embody to to the furthest extent. There's a proper way to do things, and you do it the proper way. even if there's not actually a proper way to do it. Are they the ones that appreciate the poems and the contracts and all those? Yeah, okay. Just making sure. Oh, what about you, Elliot? I took a similar approach to, to Tim and, and picked a, a culture that I kind of related to a bit or is impressed by. I'll first, before I share it, say too that I love the fact that there are so many cultures. The fact that that... Brandon Standerson works in so many different and, and you can kind of like pick up on some of the inspirations for a few of them, but then he also kind of, you know, fleshes them out and, and develops them and you get to, you know, learn a little bit and there's kind of like physical characteristics that define each one of them. So you can kind of, you know, keep them straight. And like, for example, I, the, the one I picked was the, the Thalen culture uh, from Thalen and how they have like the eyebrows that they grow super long and then they like braid them or like weave them into their hair which is like weird, but cool at the same time. But I liked their like business, like, and a slightly, you know, engineering mindset. I like that. They're kind of the, they're the merchants and they're the, the businessmen and the bankers of, uh, of the world. And they, they kind of connect everybody with their, their ships. And also they live in what seems to be like the only cold place in Roshar. Like everywhere, there's a few other places that are kind of cold-ish, it sounds like, but Thalina seems like like the coldest place, and I like cold, so I picked that one. I feel like they're the nice Vikings of Roshar. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good way of putting I, it. Yeah, I could vibe with that. Anything else before we close up this part one? Um, do do y'all remember when Elliot wrote a Ketek? A Ketek? Yes. At the end, I still think about that fairly often. 
Just like the, I don't even remember what it said, but just like the fact you came up with one was really impressive. I, I've actually written more. I've just been too embarrassed to share them. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe we'll, we'll we get those out of him someday. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, uh, sorry. Just before we close out, I wanted to go back to the to where we were talking about the least favorite characters. Um, and Shalon's personalities. And I I think it is important what what Brandon is doing with his characters where they're not just fixed. They have a big, powerful moment, but they're still moving forward from there. And and the process of healing, uh, it it's a cyclical process. And so with Shalon... Uh, you can see she makes some strides forward and then she goes back a little bit. Uh, from a reading standpoint, it, it is frustrating, but I just wanted to, to relate how I really do appreciate that he's making this realistic for people. Yeah, I think it's it's cool that it, it, it seems more realistic. So like something happens and then they're just like, boom, fixed, like... It's never ever a concern anymore. It's more like realistic of, yeah, things are way better, um, but things are still like difficult at times and stuff. So that's a good that's a good point. There's yeah, a... I feel like. Go ahead. Sorry, I feel like Brandon captures perfectly the fact that healing isn't linear. It's not just like a perfect line. It has its ups and downs. It has its rebounds and falls, and he shows that. And I think like basically every character there's a good line between teft and kaladin about this teft has just sworn his third ideal at the end of oathbringer and he goes to kaladin and says i thought i'd be different i thought the the yearning for my moss would you know go away i've just made this huge step and kaladin says well they don't change us as people we still grow as people but we're we're still here for each other and we we lift the bridge together so All right, thanks for joining me on this part one. We'll be talking about Secret Project 3 in, in part two of this episode. See you guys there. Sayonara. See ya.